spell aspirations without ass. Good. Yeah. That's true. It's better than any line in this yeah. movie. Or, hey, uh, hey, shut up. The podcast is starting. There's some lines. No, there's a good one in there. Yeah. A great one. Hey, shut up. The uh, podcast is starting. Yeah. Already said. I know you did. Good, good to reiterate. Yeah. Well, Welcome. You know, Welcome. It's not about who says it first, it's about who says it louder. <laughs> True. Welcome, everyone. Fox News. <laughs> this is another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. Woohoo! I'm Joey Lord here. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. I, w- I didn't want to step on your joke. Oh, yeah, no, I just, you know, I'm just kind of peanut gallery stuff, so you can go ahead. <laughs> I'm Joey. Bonnier. Sean Fall. Sean Fall's next to me. Next to him, Derek I'm Laporte. Cross Wondering if I've ever seen a gallery of peanuts. And then next to him, Tim know. Snow. Yeah, Tim Snow? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> uh, big idea guy. Also, old Timmer. A big picture guy. Big picture. Oh, yeah. 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 Collo- no ideas. Colloquially yeah. known to Does friends he? and enemies as old Timmer. <laughs> mm. uh-huh. I got that one right. I got the yeah, big picture yeah. thing wrong. Mm. Yeah. B- the large picture guy. Yeah. Mm. Big day guy. Big day. D- big idea. Somebody stop me. So, Timmer, right. what so was that Timmer, picture? So, <laughs> so yeah, what, the big picture that we saw this week, which wasn't very yeah. big, it was actually, uh, I, I don't know this for sure, but I assume it was in 166, which is always a mistake. Pretty sure it's at Academy 35, which is fairly standard there. Well, see, this is why I'm, this is why I'm the big picture guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. Uh, either way, we watched The Third Man this week, uh, starring Joseph Cotton mm. and some other folks. <laughs> Directed by Carol Reed. Directed by Carol Reed. Uh, screenplay, screen, bleh, screenplay by Graham Greene. Graham Greene. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, quite the writer. Good, quite a good film. Um, 1949. A, 1949. Yes, uh, it's a mystery film. It's a mystery. Uh, it's a riddle. It's a well. It's it's marketed as a mystery. It's marketed as a British noir. Um, shot by Robert Krasker. Very sh- important. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. important, Derek. Mm-hmm. Feels that is I feel that it's important. Yeah, I feel I, I feel like I agree with you. Well, I think uh, it is. But uh, yeah, no. So just you know, let's launch into the plot. Yeah. Um, we uh, open the film on our main character, played by Joseph Cotton, arriving in post-war Vienna, uh, where a black market is thriving at the moment in mm-hmm. the in the post-war climate. He's a pulp writer from the United States that's come to Vienna on invitation from a friend for a job. He gets there to meet his friend and finds out that uh, he's died just hours earlier, struck Mm. by a car. And he begins to meet uh, a lot of his friend's acquaintances in Vienna. He starts to find out that there's something fishy about his death, Mm -hmm. starts to look into it. At this point in the film, I fell asleep. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it was several minutes until I woke up, but I do mm. not believe that I missed very much. So mm-hmm. I woke up. We were in a club mm-hmm. with a with an uh, uh, the second man. We uh, drugged him and dragged him to the local club. Yes, actually, we didn't <laughs> drug him enough, is what it was. There wasn't coffee in the beginning yeah. of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we took a break. We got uh, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we took a break, made some coffee. We came back to it, and uh, um, yeah, spoilery from here on, probably I would say. With yeah, anything we I mean, summarize. they should have seen. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening spoiler. to the, yeah, 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 true. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, you should have seen the movie already. Yeah. And if not, fuck yeah. you. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
anyhow, getting back to the story there. <laughs> so when did you wake up? Back we're in, in the club. Bolts, woke up, we're, we're in, in the a club. club. He was talking to uh, who I believe to be the second man. I forget what his name is. Man 2. <laughs> man 2. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the he's, Romanian. he's looking into yeah, it a little like more. A he's very Wars curious. Uh, there's a... The, uh, he, he meets his... Uh, he meets his friend's girlfriend, <laughs> who is uh, played by the fabulous Alita, Alita Valley. Alita Valley. Mm-hmm. Alita Valley. Oh, there it yeah. is. Uh, yeah, played by Alita Valley. Uh, you know, Derek, take it away. <laughs> yeah, and she's a uh, she's an actress in a thing. Yeah, she speaks both uh, German. And, and English, English. and mm. we're assuming which is important. We're assuming probably Russian, yeah. even though there's she a doesn't lot, say it. There's a lot in this film that's in uh, that's in other languages that's not subtitled, and we're not meant to understand it. We're meant to feel very foreign in that space, mm-hmm. and so her character in initially kind of serves as a translator for us and for uh, Joseph Cotton's character. Yeah, um, but they they continue to look into stuff. Uh, you know, he's, he's trying to get a meeting with the, uh, the building manager for, uh, his friend. That, his friend's that, apartment. Yeah. His friend's apartment manager mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, or landlord or whatever. Ooh, yeah. Porter. <laughs> um, yeah. That, uh, saw him die and has a conflicting story to what all of, uh, Harry, the dead man's friends were telling him. Not see here. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, basically he kind of. This is where he starts to think there's a third man there. There was a third man. So Begins there were the two there was friends. Third. Yeah, man. there was the two the, friends, the, the dead role. man and the doctor and a third man. A third a man. A third man. man. Like we need a film. rim shot button. <laughs> which, uh, which then, you know... Uh, there we go. There yeah, go. which then uh, he begins to... He continues to investigate the case. Yeah, and the plot thickens. Mm. You wouldn't believe it, but it thicken. Yeah. yeah. Until um, finally... One day. Finally, one day, our character gets drunk. Surprise. Um, uh, main character's a big drinker. But no, he shows up at uh, Alita Volley's apartment to give her flowers and all sorts of bullshit. Um, and uh, wait, is that the same scene? Uh, yes, yeah, the same scene. So he finds out kind of the racket that uh, his friend Harry Lime was doing oh, yeah. before this. Yeah. Uh, basically, so he goes to the, see the cop. And yeah, the cop reveals it to him that cop makes his he case was, and, yeah, yeah, he was kind of like uh, watering down penicillin. And so a lot of people who were sick got worse. Well, it wasn't even that. He was stealing the drugs from the hospital yeah. and then watering Selling it down them back to sell to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I got the impression that he wasn't even selling it to the hospital. He was just selling it to other yeah, black sick market. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe so. And like those kids, like just didn't get any penicillin mostly. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, yeah, lots of bad stuff came right. out of lots it. Anyway, of yeah, it turns damage, out the guys are fink. Yeah, uh, turns out you should hoard and, penicillin. Uh, yeah, so he goes from there to go talk to Alita about it. And uh, when Anna, he arrives, I mean, her character's name's Anna. So Anna, so I forget everybody's okay. name. All I remember. Starts with an H. Alita is the battle angel. Al- <laughs> Ooh, didn't that movie suck? No, it was actually pretty good. It just didn't do well in the box office. Big eyes. Big eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all so, I know about yeah, it too. Yeah. Uncanny um, Valley a bit. Yeah. So he gets to Anna's apartment to discuss this new revelation with her, and she also already knows. She was told by Calloway earlier that day too. Um, about the whole shenanigan. Yes. With the and during this scene, we have a very bold camera movement that reveals. A shadowy figure outside. Mm-hmm. And who is it? We don't know. 
But they establish in the scene that uh, the cat only liked Harry, uh, the dead man. And then the cat somehow goes out the window and <laughs> down four stories. To we see it jump off. Do we? We see it jump off. Yeah. When he. Four stories? Well, we see it jump off outside the right. thing. We got to get through this plot. There's I'm not going to. There's fire escapes in Europe. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I don't know. I want. I'm it, not going to get hung up. Lynn's on all fours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a few Either issues way, with the fire so escapes. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't 49 floors. Yeah. Hey, yo. <laughs> Made it early, so you don't have to. Yeah. You know, mm. Clapton's kid died. stole your man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really wow. stole my son. Could have been. Either yeah. way, I mean, it's. <laughs> As long as, as the long joke as gets happens. made, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't it's matter. It could important. be a two, two joke. It's important One. that we acknowledge that he died and that it's funny. Jesus. Um, but uh, either way, moving on. Uh, yeah, we're we reveal in this scene that the man who's hiding outside of Anna's apartment and is discovered by uh, Orson Welles. Yeah, it's Orson Welles mm-hmm. before he mm-hmm. wailed. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> It was pre-whale wells. Pre-whale wells. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, Orson Welles in a really, yeah. really beautiful... Uh, Fedora? Uh, no. Oh. We'll shot. Say, establishing shot? Yeah. No. It was a really beautiful yeah. shot that they... <laughs> great uh, intro. He gets the intro. He just he looks great. Um, <laughs> Very well lit. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, Derek... Yeah. So then he runs off and he loses him, but it's established that he's alive still. Uh, he tells, of course, the cops. The cops then decide to go and dig up the body because yeah. if he's alive, what's there? And it was the other guy who the, was involved. The with random guy they just happened to mention. Yeah, yeah they mentioned throughout yeah. the film. Yeah. So uh, then Holly, our main character, goes Holly. and like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he goes in. He goes in. Uh, he wants a meeting with Harry. Harry kind of threatens him, and the probably one of the greatest in the scenes. Ferris wheel. Yeah, one Pretty of the good. greatest scenes in the movie. Um, if not all movies, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what you guys think later. Anyway, uh, it's a very, you know, it kind of threatens him a little bit. Um, but that resolves. And then he says, if you ever want to work with me, meet with me again. And, uh, then it's kind of a, will he or won't he turn against Harry? Will Holly turn against Harry? And then he kind of does for the woman. And then he does later because of the terrible things that, uh, Harry did. And uh, and then it ends up in a shootout escape scene kind of thing through the sewers, and uh, and that's pretty much close to the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, I guess it's through most of it. You did leave out the uh, the kind of B story between Harry and uh, the loving thing, yeah, that well, never the, really the unrequited love sort of yeah. thing, which yeah. oh, which that was, brings that, us that to. Was, yeah, yeah, just the, that last ending moment of the movie, yeah. right. which, where she's just walking at the camera, like in this extremely long, long shot, yeah. where she she just keeps walking, uh-huh. and he's like leaning against the car, waiting for her to you know come and you know give her a hug or whatever. She just doesn't acknowledge him. It's an amazing shot. Right by yeah, him. fucking fantastic. Amazing <laughs> shot. Cool. But uh, yeah, so basically the whole movie, uh, Holly's got the hots for Anna. Yeah, and Anna's like, nah. yeah, uh, nah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm still into the whales. Swerve. Totes. That's the kids say. Yeah. Yep. Either way. Uh, yep. So, Joey, what do you uh, think of the movie? I'll move it. Well, okay. Yeah, I think <laughs> now that we have our uh, our plot and our story done, let's get our first impressions. Uh, I liked the movie. I thought it was really good. It, it moved along. It was pretty enjoyable. Visually, it was great. Audio. I mean, the audio was 
apart from the specific <laughs> mix, was really fantastic. Yeah. I'll talk more about it, obviously, later. But I really thought it was fantastic. Um, story was good. Acting was good. I don't know. I just really liked this movie. It was kind of a fun fun movie. I, I enjoyed it. It was, like a, it was kind of like a proto-Bond movie with mm. a little bit more style, honestly. Mm. Uh, so that was my mm. take. What do you think? Uh, let's go to Derek. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was the one who wanted us to watch this film. So it was my pick. Uh, I, I've always liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, I've always liked it. Um, in the sense that it really gets across. And, and one of the things I focused in on this was a lot of kind of things that I had not noticed before, you know? Uh, and there, there is some course details about like, uh, this this guy that I'll I'll get into later when I'm talking about the cinematography and stuff, but um, but specifically I I mean I still continue to like it. I think that uh, in a way like a lot of there's a lot of things that don't really necessarily seem to fit with it when mm-hmm. you watch it because the storyline is basically just a film noir kind of basic thing, but it transcends that a bit because of a lot of the a lot of the details of getting across the feeling of being in an actual foreign country and not understanding anything and then relying on someone else to like tell you these things mm-hmm. or them to like hopefully speak enough English to be able to <laughs> tell you something. Mm-hmm. It gets that across like really well, like that mm-hmm. feeling of foreignness, I guess, so to speak. Um, and then the other thing that I think it does uh, really well to transcend the thing is that it has these these things which seem to kind of like even the soundtrack really feels like it doesn't fit in a lot of the cases, uh, which initially I did not like. I think I've grown to like it more with time because um, because when I hear it now, it makes me think of this film and it keeps it a little more lighthearted than in a lot of cases it should be, maybe, I agree. you know. Um, so yeah, um, overall, I like it. Uh, Sean. I was fucking in love with this movie until Orson Welles shows his goddamn face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you, you know, the first like half of this movie is fucking fantastic. It's like witty and fast and like, uh, interesting and it like weirdly breaks the first fourth wall like the opening narration I love how it just kind of like stumbles a little bit and like acknowledges oh wait I forgot to tell you and there's like this kind of like mm. this this casualness to it that I definitely didn't expect going into this movie and that was really nice and there's a lot of like there's a lot of really well crafted moments in lines and as well as like the business of the actors. Like there's just these little things that they're doing that just like make them very human. Like when she's rolling the dice, when he's like playing around with little door things and like just doing these things that are like still visually amusing, but not distracting from anything else. And they feel very natural. Um, there's a lot of good cinematography in there, but um, yeah, as soon as Wales shows up, man, that is like, just it, like the whole movie changes tone. It just kind of all becomes a little bit more of a bummer. Like it's, it's still not a bad movie, but like it does feel like two very separate movies to me. 
Hmm. Can I ask a very kind of simpleton question here? Because I don't watch a lot of noir films. and I'm not familiar with com- the genre completely. Uh, Bummer, I have noir. Noir. Are, <laughs> do they all end with uh, with shootouts like that kind of thing? And it wasn't necessarily a shootout there was, but uh, it's yeah. not a rule, but it's like, yes. <laughs> it's a common I, enough occurrence. Yeah. I felt like this was very action-y at the mm. end. Maybe I was mm. wrong, but uh, more than a normal film. In no, that, no, that's a noir thing. That like, is, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it yeah. definitely- Things come to a head. yeah. Things come to a head regardless. Yeah, like uh, they always come to a head. And and usually in like enclosed spaces. So like alleyways or the sewers gotcha. we had here are just like, mm-hmm. it's, it's very usually very dark and confined in the chasing rather than like being like, you know, open right. road chases or stuff like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Uh, old Timmer, let's hear your impressions. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about this one. Um, I uh, Considering you fell asleep, I think that tells us a little something. Well, this is my time. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kind of on the fence about this one. Uh, I, uh, I, th- there, there are things that I liked about the movie. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's, it, I think this is a, it's an okay movie made by master artisans, mm. Um, mm. in a way. Uh, mm. Mm. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't get a run for that guy. And you're just <laughs> fucking me up, dude. Uh, so yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie enough. Um, I thought, uh, I thought, man, you know, I had a whole thing before you. Or <laughs> <laughs> derailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Sean threw a penny on my rail. Um, <laughs> Sorry, man. That's that's my job. Yeah, Usually, you just yeah, crush no, the penny so, and keep so going. We open we open the movie. You know, I, I was I was into it at the very beginning, and then it started to kind of lose me with a bit of the uh, a bit of the like. It, it's a very bold movie in that it makes a lot of bold decisions. Every decision that's made in this movie is a very bold one. I think. Uh, whether that's with the score, whether that's with the cinematography, or whether that's with you know the dialogue, um, I think the dialogue was far and above the best part. I was very very impressed with some of the some of the lines in this movie, just like amazing lines. Do you think the German or French stuff was anywhere near as witty as the English stuff? I don't. I mean, like I like I think. I don't know if you've ever wondered <laughs> I, this, but what, yeah, no, we're in the middle of my dead air stammer time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, no. Do Germans have a sense of humor? Is that- <laughs> no, I think like in 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 films when they show like a newspaper clipping mm. and and it's got the article, I always wonder what the article oh, says because yeah. it doesn't give us enough time to read it. Totally, and it's a similar thing to here. You know, I'm mm. sure it's probably just like A B C D E F G dialogue. I will say um, that they do a good job in. Uh, specifically when they're not translating things, like when they go to uh, basically arrest her or bring her, and it's like all German, Mm -hmm. they're picking the words that we understand. Like, so I think that that's great. You know, that's a sign of good writing to be able to do that. I don't know if like, you know, the rest of the Germans. I mean, it depends which words you know, but I think there was like a Schnell or something like that. And Beater. Simple So I think there's genius interspersed throughout the film, but Mm. I don't think this is a genius film. Mm -hmm. Um, No. Yeah. Because I mean, the film does an amazing job of making us feel like we're in a foreign country. The film does an amazing job of... You know, like, uh, yeah, it does, you know, it does stuff good. 
I mean, okay. Sorry, Derek, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, I heard an interview with Bogdanovich and he kind of said it best. He said, it's not an auteur film, but it might be one of the best non-auteur films, which is to say that it had all these people coming together who were pretty good at, you know, at what they did. And like, you know, though you don't have, though Orson Welles is not directing it. He it's a did like it's a it's a collaboration that in results in a pretty good thing. It's yeah. like the end, a collaboration you know? of like known auteurs though. So it's almost like a uh, yeah. what was that uh, four rooms that fucking um uh, oh, Tarantino yeah. and, and Tim Roth thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that was way more segmented yeah. but like still yeah. yeah. Bring these, you know, crazy this, minds together. This movie had a lot of style for the sake of style. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I never like that. Every eighth Sub- shot is Dutch. Subjectively, no, it's every fucking third shot. Um, <laughs> Depends like, on the scene. So much Dutch, dude. So yeah. much Dutch. Uh, they're, they're, so much Dutch. So much zither. So like just it, it, like the things that it chose to do, it did yeah. so fucking much that it just absolutely killed totally. the effect that it could have had. Um, like by, by about a third of the way through the movie, I may have fallen asleep as a defense mechanism against the zither. Um, because it was just, interesting. It bothered me. I didn't like, yeah. it was so, and, and it was so loud in the mix too. Might have just been the, our mix. It's possible. These speakers aren't great. I definitely lost interest in trying to find meaning in the Dutch. Yeah. That's the thing is I also lost interest in it because it's just like, oh, he just likes it. Yeah. You know, exactly. he just like, so the things that, that could have been really interesting narrative devices and the things that should be uh, really interesting narrative devices in good film, in my opinion, were just because it's cool in this kind movie, of, it felt yeah. like. And that's, that's one of the things that really drags it down for me. Mm. I think his reasoning's the same thing, like to make it feel foreign, to make you feel strange a little bit. That's that's the purpose for the Dutch. It's obviously done so much that Dope. it doesn't give you yeah. that. It's effect. really sophomoric. Yeah, it just doesn't seem selective enough. Like it's, yeah. it's you know, for the most part, it's pretty much every over the shoulder is Dutch. And then like pretty much every master is straight on. The only ones that are always straight on is the girl. Like she is yeah. pretty much always level. Well, but yeah. they, they were definitely only in the beginning parts of the movie. Am I right? No, no, the no they were they throughout. Continues. No, yeah, okay. it was all like, yeah. Yeah. like they, they, they were more prominent. In the and often, if you notice, yeah. like shots that are like mediums or close-ups of the main character, yeah, uh, they're straight. Yeah, and they, then it'll cut, and then it'll go to like an over-the-shoulder or something of another person, and it'll be Dutch. So yeah. well, I, the other thing is the characters themselves are actually straight in a lot of the frames, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's the backgrounds that are just angled. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like they probably had the actors like leaning just a little bit the right way to yeah. get them framed yeah. so that it's like, it still feels very normal. I found myself kind of daydreaming that their level was broken. Exactly. During yep. the movie. Yeah. Well, and, and apparently like, uh, after this was over, Carol Reed, uh, uh, William Wyler gave, gave, uh, Carol Reed a spirit <laughs> level. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so okay. yeah oh. that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he thought yeah you, you could use this just kid. as a joke yeah um so i i thought this movie was um well placed in our in our kind of our picks here it kind of had a lot of different 
parts that were kind of like the best parts of our other movies that we've picked so far. Um, historically, it is in a 19... buffet, if you will. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was mm. it's 1948, um, so it really is that post-war stuff. So we're kind of similar to how we were talking about, you know, with Berlin and Rome and before. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're, we're right to. in Vienna now in 1948, so right after the war, and it's divided similar to Berlin in those four zones. And we have this cross cultures coming on, and Anna yeah. is obviously this foreign, uh, you know, fish out of water who needs to get out. Uh, Are there four zones? I thought it was two zones. There's there's maybe four, zones. four zones. I thought there was four, maybe. Because oh, there was really? the French zone, there was the uh, British zone, there was the Russian zone, and then there was the, uh, the American, the American thought, zone. Yeah. I thought the French, British, and American were all one zone, and then the other zone was Russia. They that was my four zones. I thought they were working. Okay. Well, and then there's right, an right. international zone in the middle too, the where it's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's yeah, all I mean, of them. The British and the French and the Americans are all definitely more friendly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And what's weird is, of course, like they talk about the language barrier. Clearly, British and Americans are not going to have that big of an issue. But yeah, the other the British British like maybe some, I don't know. But the yeah. Queen's English. It's exactly. always difficult right. to understand. Right. I have mm. problems, I think. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, uh, it's called hatred. I don't know. Let's move on to some of the uh, the people here involved. The, the main dude, Martins, Joseph Cotton. Holly Martins, Joseph Cotton. Joseph Cotton. What'd you think of mm. him? Did you guys like him? No. No, you didn't like not him? at all? Seriously, Tim? I, I, yeah, you know, I mean, like, he just... So, for the time and for the type of movie, um, I kind of found myself thinking, like, he's not handsome enough to be a really good leading man. He's not enigmatic enough to be a, a, a good Humphrey Bogart kind of guy. You know, he was just... He was sort of, like... He struck me as our Affordable. video. Well, that, yeah, but he struck me as our video game avatar. So, like, I little felt bit, yeah. more like he yeah. was like our third-person shooter sort of caricature. He was our little Duke Nukem taking us through. Like, he didn't really have like a whole lot of mo emotion or like goal or like yeah. you know much of anything. He was just kind of drifting through and like letting us kind of decide what it was we were going to care about. Yeah, mm. yeah. He didn't ham it up though. At least no. there's that. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah there's he a left lot of all that to Orson Welles. That's mm. true. And it, I mean, his performance, like I was saying earlier, like some of just the little shit he was doing, like when he would just like grab a rope and start playing with it and like daisy chaining it and like, you know, yeah. just like these little sort of things that were like, you know, just almost nervous sort of ticks or habits or like yeah. the, in one of the opening scenes when he's uh, in the bar and he gets up and he gets like pushed around and he grabs that little, the little spindle thing on top of the chair. Yeah. The oh yeah. And spins around. He spins around. Yeah. yeah. And then he stands back up. There's a little confrontation and he's about to hit the lieutenant. And then the other guy hits him in the face and he, you know. He's on the yeah. ground. And he's like, "You should. What was it? You should take better care of yourself, or something." Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's just like <laughs> this whole like weird mentality of like, "I'm gonna smack you in the face, but I'm still gonna take care of you because I like your writing." Yeah, right? yeah. I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. Well, I actually, I kind of liked him. I thought he was good. I, I mean, I thought it was his character was really interesting too because I at first I wasn't sure whether we were supposed to you know get care with him, you know, mm. get that pathos with him because uh, I thought we were just kind of observing this kind of gray character, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. um, did you but, end up feeling sympathy for yeah, him? Yeah, but I think it was that moment when he literally was faced himself with that moral question mm -hmm. when he was looking at the dead, not the dead people, but the, the sick kids. people yeah, in yeah, the infirmary. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess this really is kind of a choice for him. Yeah. And that kind of changed the movie. It kind of did turn it into this little more of a moral story. Uh, and for me, I was like, okay, I, I get it. I get it. I kind of, I see his, how he built towards that. It yeah. was kind of like, you know, 
I, I, okay, I, I went along with that character change. So mm. I thought anything was too abrupt. I, anyway, I, I guess this leads me to say that I did like him. I thought Joseph Cotton did a good job, kind of like in that different range of. Oh yeah, I thought he did a good job. I didn't think that they're like. Like I said, I thought that was like a character that was kind of supposed to be leading us through things. I don't think it's more the writing, I guess, that I found like kind of uninviting about him. Like, mm. he, you know, he just wasn't meant to be that, that I agree. real sort of like uh, loving thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I think you're right. I think he was meant to be this more sarcastic, witty character yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of this more moral, oh, the fucking American character. fucking Western for sure. cowboy guy. Yeah, yeah, he's like the rebel cool, badass, like yeah. Han Solo. And I mean, then all of a sudden he takes a turn for the moral at the end and you're, you're, yeah. you're you on board, I guess. I don't, but, I don't yeah. know that I'm ever really like with him when he's... So brother, like, like, I agree. You know, I'm not really not either. Really, I, didn't, I don't know if I kind because, of went 100% with it. Yeah, because I, and I don't know that we are supposed to be. Like, everybody tells him, don't get involved, yeah, don't yeah. get involved. But he's got this kind of almost ugly American. Yeah. Uh, like, where he's just going to push himself onto this yeah. and like promote his own agenda in spite of the fact that everything there is like not in his like it's not his land it's not him to his job yeah. to be doing the things that he's doing he's kind of but but truthfully i guess orson wells is the ugly american there which is what we find out at the end because he's True. doing even worse stuff yeah. you know yeah. um but at least initially you're you know and i mean had he not got involved maybe things would have turned out better mm. like as far as the character goes you know mm. um yeah so um, uh, Anna, what'd you think of Alida? I think she's, I, I thought she was pretty good. Um, I, I like the fact that they have somebody who seems <laughs> to speak the languages okay. fairly well, you know? Um, yeah. Even if she can't, she did a good job of acting. Seems, Alida Vali. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought she was really good too. Honestly. I liked her, yeah. I thought she was quite That's charming. Um, I, I liked her too. I thought she was like a little bit understated too. She didn't overdo yeah. anything her, really. Yeah. I, I th really, yeah, I think that's almost the problem with her performance is that it was like so subtle that like you don't like. Well, she was trying to hide. I kind of she appreciated to, you it. Know, you hide know, and the I, whole... I appreciated the, the, the way that she was able to showcase how much she was struggling with her feelings mm. for Harry. I, I think, I, I think I just mean that like that's, Kind of why we haven't seen her in a thousand other movies. Like uh, she's, you know, a really I good see. actress. A little but too like, muted. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit like too character actress. Like not yeah. that like glamorous. Like ahead of her time. Kind of, of yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Uh, any others? I mean, Orson Welles. We got to talk about Orson Welles. I mean, yeah. Orson it's Welles. weird seeing Orson Welles. First of all, as like this kind of character. Yeah. Cam not a, quite a cameo, more than a cameo because he had a big part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't realize he had that big. I thought he was yeah. going to just show up at the end, but he really kind of showed up for the last 20, 30 minutes or so. Right. Yeah. And yeah. was there for then is the focus of the finale. Yeah. Um, He's kind of the focus of the, the character is yeah, the focus for sure. of the movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a, there's a thing that he talks about, about this specific role and he compares it to like the Mr. Wu. He says that there's a play and he's played Mr. Wu before. And like, basically the play is, you know, all these people go around saying like, well, when Mr. Wu gets here, what's he going to say about it? You know, what's mm. he going to have to say? And so like for about an hour, like mm. everybody's up, doing that. And then like near the end of the play, you see like Mr. Wu in the far, like uh, upstage, you know, and he's across a bridge and he starts to walk towards them. And they're like, Mr. Wu, Mr. Wu's here, Mr. Wu. And then the curtains close. And then at the end, like all the people are leaving and they're going to be like, What'd you think of the play? The play was pretty good, but man, that guy who played Mr. Wu was 
excellent. <laughs> so he said this was like the Mr. Wu part where, <laughs> you know, like you, 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 it's what every actor wants, that yeah. big part like that, you know? The, yeah, the total build yeah. up. And he hams it up. Yeah, he does ham it it's up. It's an incredible reveal. And yeah. yeah, an incredibly hammy performance exactly. as well. Yeah, I, I am such he was a- killing me in that Ferris wheel scene. I am such a fan of fucking uh, Citizen Kane that it just pains me to realize how horrible of an actor he actually is. Like he's the, cute though. I mean, yeah, but like, yeah, he's just fucking ham fisted as he, yeah. It's it's glowingly obvious that like that one movie was written specifically for him and he did that very well and made himself look good. But I don't know that he is anywhere near the actor that that makes I him think, to be. I yeah. think his great contribution to this movie is the line that he wrote, which is the line that ends that scene where he talks about, uh, you know, that, 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 uh, oh, he wrote the cuckoo that clock. Yeah. He oh, wrote that, yeah, that he wrote great. that analogy. Yeah. That's apparently the thing that he wrote. Yeah. Ah. Oh, so there you go. Um, so yeah, again, what great, was the line? Great the, director. So it was the, that that. Uh, oh, I forget what countries he he lists, but he lists a bunch of uh, Italy, European right? countries, Italy, oh, and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah, they and how they the gave us the Renaissance, and they gave us this and that and the other thing right on. because and of the, all their suffering. And then yeah, what did Switzerland the give us with their five hundred years of peace? They gave yeah. us the cuckoo clock. Totally, you yeah. know, suggesting that uh, from yeah, yeah. from turbulence comes greatness. True. Yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, yeah. I do disagree. <laughs> you do? I think it's. Uh, I don't know if this is the proper place for this because I, I disagree with the, the with the notion of the statement, but I think it's a fantastic statement for that character and mm. it fits that character mm-hmm. wonderfully. So as a piece of dialogue, great. But I just want to argue with the statement that basically it's like saying the Roman Empire did great things and Switzerland didn't, which is not true. It's also ignoring the history and judging history in a really strange way. First of all, it's like saying your art is better than this art. Well, yeah, it's boiling all of history down to a single sentence, which is- <laughs> Also, it's- Reductive. Uh, yeah. I don't know if imperialism and colonialism were really the lessons of history just because we have Michelangelo to say for it. I think that's- uh, Let's not get into this. Well, but like, I actually- We'll talk about this. Yeah, I think it's just a bigger issue. I don't want to quite get into the Roman Empire. I think it also has a lot to do with our Western civilization centrism that we're just kind of, that's how we're learning history. We learn through the Roman Empire. Because we're the greatest and whatever got us here must have been great too. Kind of. We're just ignoring the entire history of China and India and and, and Asia, really, and Africa. And um, it's just not true. And it's just kind of fucked up to say that because Michelangelo is the best, you know. Tune into the- the Episode of text before calling that we do after this. Mm. <laughs> Not to mention yeah. the actual Where I history Joey of North America. To me about this. A million times over. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So that's the only problem I have. But again, as a piece of dialogue, fantastic. Yeah. I agree yeah. with bits of what you were saying, and yeah. I disagree with bits of what you were saying. There's an article that BBC did about There's an article that BBC did about this, this specific line and if it was true or not. Mm. And like, are tyrants really good for art? And they probably write more than we could. There's a lot to about say. It. I mean, you, yeah. I'm sure someone's going to be like, Beethoven serves yeah. all the greatest. Uh, I get it. We're, we can go through all the greatest art. But let's not. Let's not do that right now. Let's not. Um, <laughs> anywho, let's talk about this art. What yeah. about Trevor Howard, right? Oh, yeah. Trevor Howard. Trevor Howard. Yeah, what Trevor Howard? He's the other top build guy, so you guys know who he but, is. He's well, he's Major Callaway, of course. Yeah, right. uh, he's Callaway yeah, guy, right? Captain Tiny uh, Mustache. Other, <laughs> big part. He's good. Yeah, he's fine. 
All the Brits were great. They were all stiff upper lip. They all yeah. played the perfect stereotype. Yeah, 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 they did. No, Calloway had some great lines though, and he some did. great moments though. Yeah, like that, like good. weird sarcasm of like, oh, when we were first introduced to him, there's a line something about like, um, I, I was supposed to stay with him, but he ended up being dead. And oh, that's awkward. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was it was just oh, that wasn't Calloway me. in the that beginning. That was that was the no, that was the the British fella that is in charge of the book club. All these white people look alike. The leader of the group. No, but he did have the thing every once in a while, like Holly would get his name wrong and call him Callahan. Oh, yeah, and he's yeah. like, well, I'm, I'm Callaway. I'm, I'm British. I'm not Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not Scottish. <laughs> And then he finally used his correct yeah. name at the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. that's what we call an arc. Yeah. yeah. Arch. 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 He picked yeah, a side. It, 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 I thought it was atrial. actually, uh, I mean, obviously much darker and different and stylistically different, but very similar to Casablanca in that like the coming character was forced to kind True. of. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was definitely expecting a, uh, uh, this is the beginning of the beautiful friendship uh, ending there. Yeah, as they were it was like away. you're forced to pick a side, yeah. you know, maybe not French, France, but now England, you know, it was yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, different time, but close, similar. Okay. So um, I think we should, uh, I don't know, play a game. We gotta, we gotta make it fun now. Yeah, fuck it. Let's spice it up. David Oselstein. Oh. <laughs> Are you ready to guess the gross? Woo! Oh, God. Let's have some fun, guys. Yeah, guessing grosses. Yeah! Guessing grosses. Oh, shit, I forgot my thing. You forgot to do it. It's all right. It helps if you We're enjoying the great music. Yeah. It is good. You can just kind of chill with yeah. that. Fucking do the thing. Here on this podcast, we're always prepared. Always. In every situation. Always. Especially me. I can prepare things. They call me Tim Deadair Snow. Uh, Today's topic, since I didn't know anything about the movie and I just read the first sentence of the thing, is going to be movies about writers. Oh, hey! Oh. Is okay. this a movie about? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, hey, it's not it's movies thin. about numbers. Exactly. It's, it's very thin. <laughs> he is a writer. There you yep. go. There we yeah, go. That's fair. Fair. So, yeah. Fairly, I prepared this before watching the movie, so you know, he's three a ninjas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everything with three. Expectations. It's a real. So no. first on the list, <laughs> in search of wine, in search of women, in search of themselves. Sideways. In 2004, mm. ah. Alexander Payne directed Sideways. Oh, we got to write these down. Yep. Yeah. Uh, get your, get your got, pens out. I got my notepad. My, 20 my bucks. <laughs> this movie made 20 bucks at the box office. Mm. And it was all... 2004. Uh, yeah, we have uh, starring the uh, Paul Giamatti's, yeah. uh, Thomas Hayden Church, Virginia Madsen. Paul Giamatti Sandra saw this o. twice in theaters, <laughs> and so it made yep. 20 bucks. He probably invited all his family, so it's a little more than that. You yeah. really think Paul Giamatti's family picks up when he calls? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wish someone could do a Giamatti impression right now. Yeah, I don't right. want any fucking Merlot! That's not bad. It's not yeah, bad. Not bad. Yeah, you threw in the Merlot. Yeah. From the yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah, from the movie. Uh, isn't that the only Giamatti impression there really <laughs> is? Um, yeah. Oh, no, he was pig vomit and fucking... Yeah, pig uh, vomit. Yeah. He He's was in... Uh, have you guys seen the Hollywood classic Agent Cody Banks? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was that before or after Blank Check? I have no fucking idea. I feel like he's idea. always the villain in some Disney movie. Was he in Blank Check? No, no. That's oh. Uh, so, gentlemen, 2004s. <laughs> Did everybody write it down? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So uh, let's start with uh, Joey. Ah, I got $46 million. $46 million, says Joey. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea on this one because it's oh, an indie movie. I mean, that may be wrong. Uh, $36 yeah. million dollars $36 was my guess. $36 million. Dollars <laughs> old wow. And Derek. Seven. Seven million dollars. And it's Derek by a large lead. <laughs> oh, yeez of little faith. Sideways took in 71.5 million dollars. No, for a goddamn Wait. Oscar, asshole. Still, it was re released. Fuck out of here. Still, that's 71 million dollars no, for a Thomas Hayden church vehicle. <laughs> How dare you, Gmod? That's why that guy got to be like the Sandman. It's fucking low, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's why he's the Sandman in number three. Everyone loves Wings. He was, he was great in George of the Jungle. Let's be real. And but, Tombstone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they did turn his head into a... Con- All right, gentlemen. <laughs> okay. Well done. Ike. Paul Sheldon used to write for a living. Now he's writing to stay alive. Misery. In 1990, directed by Rob Reiner, we have Misery. I love that Rob Reiner directed this movie. <laughs> I, I do absolutely love, I also love this movie. It's great. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a decent flick as far as like the Stephen King movies go. There, yeah. There's definitely worse Stephen King movies one could watch. There's this and there's the Langoliers and mm. I love them both. Oh, really? Langoliers I've never actually seen. It's uh, You don't have time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, that's like a three-parter TV it's movie thing. It's super fucking long, yeah. and it's not actually that good, but I watched it when I was a kid, and I loved it. Mm. This but one stars James Caan, Kathy Bates, Richard Farnsworth. Farnsworth. Um, any, uh, uh, everyone locked in there? Locked in. All locked right. In. Joey, what are, are you Are you locked guessing? in, Timmy? Yeah, now I am. Okay. I got $68 million. Joey says sixty-eight. I don't know what the fuck to this one. I really yeah, I, yeah. Timmer, this is a hard one to call. Uh, Forty-eight million. Forty-eight million dollars says old Timmer. I did sixty-three million. Sixty-three. We were kind of in the same. Dollars. Yeah, you're all in that ballpark. Uh, Misery took home sixty-one point two million dollars. That is uh, a win for Mister Big D over there. Yep. Yeah, that was pretty close. That wasn't too bad. Experience it. Enjoy it. <laughs> Just don't fall for it. In 2000, Cameron Crowe directed Almost Famous. <gasps> oh. Wait, what year again? I'm sorry. 2000. Wow. Yeah. 2000. Okay. Uh, yeah, this one is, uh, uh, what do we got? Starring Billy Coldrup, Francis McDormand. Billy Crudup. And Francis McDormand. Yeah. I love Francis McDormand. It's She's true. a listener. We all do. Mm. Kate Hudson. Don't claim her. Jason Lee. Mm. Uh, yeah, honestly, Francis McDormand is too good for us. Like, let's be real. I, so. I, uh, finding out that Jason Lee was in the Tony Hawk pro skater game blew my mind. Jason one, Lee was a pro skater before he was an actor. Yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. realize that. Yeah. That was a very, yeah. I, I played him before I knew him. Yeah. Um, so, gentlemen, for Almost Famous, what do you think it made? Old Timmer. $77 million. $77 million, says old Timmer. Joey. $72. $72 million, says Joey. Derek. $34. Wow. $34 million, says Derek. Low hey, opinion. Oh, with very little faith, Derek takes it home at $32.5 million. Every cat lady I know loves this movie. Yeah, dude. I think this is oh, one of those no. movies that had a resurgence. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's like a cult. It's a cable movie. Yeah. Like it's a, a cable movie. Blockbuster. Yeah. That's, all those earlier movies are like that. Like, yeah. you know. 
those ones that you think are classics that everyone fucking knows, yeah. it's because they saw them, you know, 20 That's times it. on Showtime or whatever. That DVD market. Yeah. Used to it be was big. on HBO all the yeah, goddamn yeah. time, too. Yep. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, that's how I got it. Uh, all right, gentlemen. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. In 1998, Terry Gilliam directed Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Las oh. Vegas. Las Vegas. Lost Wages. Uh, yeah, this is obviously uh, starring... Uh, uh, she's Johnny Depp and uh, Benicio del Toro. Torby McGuire's more of a cameo than really starring. Uh, maybe I should do uh, Torby. Uh, Toby. Toby McGuire. Torby McGuire. Torby. Torby. Yeah. Um, of Back yeah. to the Future fame. What year again? I'm sorry. Yeah, this is 1998. 98. Fear and Loathing in Lost Vegas. Lost. Lost. Get a Derek first, because I can yeah. not feel so horrible. Derek, seventeen million. Seventeen oh God, million dollars, kill. says Derek. I'm gonna lose. Old Timmer. <laughs> this movie sucks, and I've not even seen it. Oh wow. Uh, twenty-four mm. million bucks. Twenty-four oh million dollars, just because it has Johnny. Mm. And I thought it was a lot Joey. more popular than that because this was a book. I guess fifty-five million. <laughs> Maybe you're not Five wrong. Five million dollars, says Joey. Yeah. I think you overestimate. This is one of my absolute favorite movies in the entire world. And it really saddens me to have to tell you that Derek has won and he is probably almost double what it took in at $10.6 million. Yeah. Yeah. Again, resurgence on like cult classics like that. Yeah. DVD sells mm-hmm. maybe i Rentals. should see this movie you oh, should probably see this movie I i've it. seen bits and, and pieces of i just hate the people that like it sorry well um, <laughs> <Sean likes> it. <laughs> but the, well the thing is i absolutely hated that movie the first time i saw it because uh-huh. i knew absolutely nothing about hunter thompson so if you go in knowing nothing about hunter thompson nothing makes sense because this is just random people doing random shit mm. and there's no real character development mm. so like to go in blind it's like it doesn't make any fucking sense uh-huh. but like having any sort of understanding or backstory it changes the complete tone of everything how yeah. much do you need do you just need like him on letterman or whatever when he when he took him like shooting or something um is that i enough? mean uh, actually, Where the Buffalo Roam would be probably a okay. good place to start. I tried start. to watch oh, Where right. the Buffalo Roam at right one on. point, and I was just like, Bill, how far you've sunk. <laughs> how, close, how close is Fear and Loathing to, like, Naked Lunch? Oh, no Naked Lunch. Oh, no Naked Lunch. Oh, no, sorry. Naked sorry. Lunch? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cronenberg yeah. movie. Uh, mm. Bunch of fucking Cronenbergs in here. Yeah. Trippy movie. So, What's next? Gentlemen, where will your imagination take you? In 2004, Mark Forrester directed Finding Neverland. (laughs) Oh, man. Wait, 2004, you said? 2004, Finding Neverland. Uh, This movie is also starring Johnny Depp, uh, Kate Winslet, Julie Christie, Dustin Hoffman. Mm, Yeah. Joe Prosper and no know. one else. Uh, this is the uh, the movie about uh, the guy that, that, guy wrote, that wrote uh, Neverland. Uh, no, uh, fucking, I think. Peter what, Pan. Peter Pan, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Neverland is the ranch. Uh, okay. well, I, yeah, I'm, I I'm, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> probably wrong, but. All right. Let's guess. Derek. Uh, 46 million. $46 million, says Derek. I think Derek. I'm overselling. Old Timmer. $81 million. $81 million, says Old Timmer. Seventy-one million. Seventy-one million dollars, says Joseph Bonnier. Joseph. And Mr. Derek Laporte takes it home with fifty-one point six million dollars. I knew it was going to pull in something because I I remember that movie being big. It was like 
the what was that Owen McGregor movie that yeah that, about the who the Winnie oh, Winnie uh, the yeah. Christopher Robin yeah, oh, yeah it's just those movies yeah. where it's just like oh nothing happens in this movie think, and yeah. it's gonna make a shitload of money okay uh, I think also when when Johnny Depp didn't make much in Fear and Loathing he's got to be doing something yeah because you know, like otherwise we would be Johnny totally. who <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean that's basically when he signed his lifelong contract to Disney so that's he's true. been turning yeah. out to uh, Disney yeah, that's ever true. since yeah gentlemen there's only one thing stranger than what's going on inside his head. What's going on outside? In 1991, directed by Joel Cohen, we have Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, John Totoro, John Goodman, Judy Davis, you know, all the John. John Mahoney. Never seen There's this a one. lot of Johns in this movie. Yeah. movie. Tony Shalhoub. Oh, this is a great one. This is I've a seen so few Coen Brothers films. This is I've seen, uh, a fault of yours, sir. I've seen, what, what have I seen? I saw, uh, I, I love this movie. Did you watch Hudsucker yet? No, 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 no. Mm. Uh, I saw uh, the fucking Tommy Lee Jones uh, no country. No oh, country. country yeah. I saw No Country and I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's. I think that might be the only one I've seen. Uh, I haven't seen Big Lebowski? No, I've seen that one. Yeah. Okay. So you've seen two. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? No. Uh, Never seen it. Blood Simple? No. No. A lot of good ones out there. Fargo. Lots of good ones. Well, what did I'm Barton sure Fink make, gentlemen? I said 33 million. Joey wow. says 33 million. I have no idea what I'm doing in this game. I'm going to lose. Old Timmer. Truth. I'm going to say $19 million. $19 million, says Old Timmer. I feel like and that's a Derek. more than a I said $4 million. $4 million. Ooh, Derek wins. A fucking low blow gut shot from Derek Laporte takes it home with $6.1 million. Well, well done, Derek. This was like almost a shutout for Derek. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Almost. Except for one. Yeah, Joey got sideways, but yeah. Derek took everything else. What'd you say, Tim? What was that more recent Coen Brothers film that had uh, uh, got Clooney in it? And it's uh, it's Caesar, Hail Caesar. Oh, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar, yeah. yeah. I saw That's that okay one. That movie, I did not yeah, like it. I didn't great. like it. I did not care for that. I did not like it. I did not like it very much. All right. Um, what are we moving on to? You're the boss. What are we moving yeah, on to? Yeah, I don't even remember. I guess, can we talk about sound? Can I do sure. that? Sure. Yeah, yeah, do it. Sound it. Let's do it. Welcome to Joey's Glissando Corner, starring Joseph Bonnier. We can put that into a drop, I think. Oh. Yeah, we'll oh, get so that later. That's the other we'll thing get anyway. That's, that's for later. Nothing so um, We're real professional. <laughs> there's a lot going on with real the sound veneer. here. I mean, we'll start with the music because it's it's it, the music's a big deal, obviously. It's very unique by Anton Karras. Um, the director, Carol Reed, found him, I guess, when he was just kind of in Vienna in a, in a club. Said, I must nope. have you. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and then, must have you. But but he said that, and then and then Anton didn't understand anything except German. So <laughs> yeah, okay. took took a little more explaining than that. Yeah, I mean, I was so after three yeah. shots of Jaeger, yeah, they yeah. figured it out. Right, right. Uh, he actually recorded, I think, on his kitchen table or something. He yeah. went to his place. It was pretty crazy. Um, and that's pretty much almost all, I would say 99.9% .9 of the music, except for a few moments of diegetic music. It's all that one player playing his one scy scyther. Scy scyther? 
I'm not sure. I'm, I, I wish I knew how to pronounce it correctly. Maybe I'm sure I'm going to pronounce it, mispronounce it. So someone's going to kill me. Well, there's the violin and accordion thing. There, in there is a violin accordion. I thought that was that a moment of diegetic. I forget which moment. Yeah, you're it was, about. Uh, in the club essentially. Yeah. yeah, that's what I agree. I think that was like the one moment where it wasn't that. Um, but I think in general, it was it was really cool, and it reminded me of something I saw recently, which was uh, a clip of Michael Giacchino, who does the who did the score for Up, and you can re- you know Still when you alive? see. <laughs> for Up, Up, the movie Up, the Pixar movie? Yeah. Not that old. No. Oh, I thought you were saying a guy f- that was working on this movie did the thing for Up. No, no, no. I'm just yeah. thinking you reminded me of okay, score. Gotcha. He said something about how when he approaches scores, he, he picks one chord mm. and he kind of uh, uh, expounds on that. Huh. And this reminded me of that kind of thing. He took like one thing and say, well, it was kind of one chord. It was well, not one chord, but it was a few set of chords for, ha- for Harry's theme and expanded on it. And I thought it was really versatile, you know, because you really could go crazy with this instrument. I, I thought it was a very, very versatile instrument. It has these bass strings, these contra bass strings and these really high melody strings. And you can play it almost like a piano where you're playing both parts at the same time. And it was able to do comedy, you know, wh- yeah. when it was just like really ramping up. And I thought it was able to do, you know, moments of drama and, and do you underscore think that the moments drama of drama. Successful? Which parts would sometimes. you mean? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. sometimes. Not all the time. I, I, I really felt like a lot of it, uh, almost every time that this film was going for a dramatic moment, it felt like uh, the, the, the purpose of the score was to pull the rug out of under it. I will agree okay. with that, except for the last portion. So that tunnel stuff at the end, I Even thought that, that was really. Yeah, okay. I think I was just. I so, thought that was more appropriate. But I was so again. sick of the zither. I guess by I, that, I think. Yeah. I guess I misunderstood what you mean by dramatic, because when I was thinking dramatic, I was thinking like him stuff with him and the girl, and there's yeah. like a little zither in the background. I read it more very as romantic or passionate. That yeah, was, was a little better. Nice. But no, no, no. I'm talking like yeah. the the. You the, mean like boom? Yeah, the bigger scenes okay. where you know like action is supposed to be happening or like the chase scene, Mm. the chase scene where he's running away when they mistake him for being the killer. And we've got the zit. It was was humorous. But but I think it's supposed to be, it's a little kid chasing him. Yeah, that's true. It's like a Benny Hill sort of thing. It just found obviously Orson Welles is running to be comical in general. The dude waddles like a penguin. I'm sorry. I mean, do you guys watch the show, the Goldbergs? No. No, uh, there's a running gag on there where the brother runs like a fucking idiot, and it <laughs> really reminded me of the way Orson. Before runs. we get off of uh, off of the, the, run the, of the, man the zither about thing, to be fat. Uh, I have a I have a quote from uh, so so the actual theme thing. he had for like 15 years or something before. Be, like he used to play it for like 15 years or something before he ended up playing it for Carol Reed, and then Carol said Reed said that's the one. Uh, and, uh, he said that, uh, he said that when you play in a cafe, nobody stops to listen. And so he says, this tune takes a lot out of your fingers. He says, I prefer playing, uh, Veen Veen, uh, the sort of thing one can play all night while eating sausages at the same time. <laughs> so I thought that's a great, I love great comment. Yeah. 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 The, the sound of that ziffer thing really reminded me of uh, 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 Jingle Reinhardt, the fucking- Very uh, much. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, that gypsy like weird- jazz. Yeah, exactly. That twang- twangy sort of, uh, yeah, steel guitar, mm. gypsy jazz stuff. 
Uh, no, not quite steel. It's nylon strings, but it, it, yeah, it's I, not a steel guitar that he's using. No, no, he's using finger picking nylon strings, uh, or at least for, the, for Django. I don't know shit. That's okay. It doesn't matter. Uh, but the, but the idea is, it's you're right. You're right. It's a very similar chord structure, and mm. it is that kind of gypsy jazz. And it's not that far off. I mean, we're just talking about France versus you know Italy and and Austria. Isn't Django and American. Django Reinhardt? Django yeah. Reinhardt wasn't American. I think oh. he's French, I believe. Oh, I, I thought he was like Creole, like American. Like, no. I mean, no. he might have been multiple things. I don't yeah, know. I, I, I should probably check. Yeah. The only thing I know for sure is he was a couple fingers short of two hands. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, true. He, he's, he's the only I know he was Sean Penn and that was... What? Sean Penn played him in the movie. What movie? Django. Unchained? No, just Django. <laughs> Django. Oh, Django. I guess I haven't yeah. seen that. I don't know. I've just it's heard Django Reinhardt's yeah. music. I like it. Not yeah. the original Sergio Corbucci. We might watch that later. I do love that movie. Mm. Another Italian Western. Okay. Um, so speaking of Europe, I thought it was very much Vienna. You know, yeah. it did evoke the city of Vienna. It was a very um, beautiful movie with all the locations and even sure. the sound stages. I, I, and I thought... The instrument in general, obviously, it was too loud at moments. We were kind of abruptly taken aback by that. And we can talk about the mix in a second. But in general, just I just want to say the instrument really works so well. And it's so rare that you can pick one instrument, one type of theme, and expand on it. And it really did work. Mm. Uh, another movie I just want to say that reminded me of this was um, another French film uh, where the guy said he, he kind of hired Miles Davis to the entire score. And he just said, basically, you're going to improv, improv the entire thing. And just got Miles Davis into a room and did it. Mm. I, I forget what it's called. Um, Elevator to the Gallows. Mm. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Maybe we'll watch it later. But it just reminded me of that. Just one director had this singular vision with the music. That's well, like Danny Elfman in every movie in the 80s. Kind of. I mean, he's got a whole orchestra at his disposal. Mm. But yeah, but I see and what who you're saying. And yeah. who was that in Shadows that did it for Cassavetes? Remember we were we were talking about that. The guy did the whole soundtrack. Forget, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but th that was around the so same you, time, right? Do you sorry. guys think that something was gained or more than something was lost in in the use of only the zither. Mm. I, I think it is. I know. I think it's gained. I do. I think overall it's gained. I think there are some problems. I think you might be where it's incongruent with the visuals, maybe. Yeah. But I think that overall the effect from the just the Viennese feeling and the versatility of the instrument. I really like the ability of the instrument to kind of do a lot of different things and to use these bass strings and the melody strings yeah. at the same time. One of the, one I of thought, the, okay, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. one of the things that I feel like I really get from the usage of that in this is that none of any of this really ultimately matters to yeah. Holly. Mm -hmm. That's why it's kind of light. Like that's why the the lightness of this him being in this foreign country, he's always going to go back home. So it, everything is kind of a little lighter yeah, it's like than a it should be. So it's, it's not, almost, it's not, yeah. 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 So I kind of feel that. And the other thing too is that this, so this was, uh, it kind of established uh, singles from movies, like releasing singles from movies because oh. it was uh, it was 11 weeks, the theme to this, uh, on uh, Billboard's US bestsellers and stores oh, chart. Crazy. I do love this theme. Yeah. And and so I think catchy. That, it's I think very that, catchy. I'm listening to it in my head right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I am too. <laughs> I think that I think that it was good for that too, right? And also when you hear it, you're gonna think of the movie, you know? Mm -hmm. um, no, iconic. Will, yeah. yeah, very iconic. I know? think one more thing I want to say about it. I think the music editor itself is a great 
person in this situation. Obviously, the guy who plays it, Anton Kairos, is great, but the music editor did a great job of fading it down in specific dialogue scenes, mm. and it works well when it's kind of one instrument and it doesn't always overlap with the human voice's frequencies. Because a lot of times when you have like guitar or saxophone or flutes, it overlaps with the dialogue and you can't understand what they're saying. But I think because it has these bass notes, it kind of underlays the dialogue. And if you do softly, it kind of, it works really well. So anyways, I, I really just kind of thought it was a good choice. Again, it might've been a little bit weird in moments, but I thought it lended that I overall. F- I just felt that the the tone of it, now it, it this movie was the 1949 version of Burn After Reading. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. A, I hate Burn After stretch. Reading. So Burn After I. Reading is so bad. I know. The Clooney movie? Yeah, but it's just, it's this like, almost a piss take on noirs. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know? Okay. Um, and I feel that the, you know, the zither did the lion's share of the work in in my uh, in informing my opinion there. To me, the I, zipper was kind I, of like just laying in a hospital bed and constantly hitting that morphine button. Like I after think, a while, it just kind of like is yeah. not doing anything and you just yeah, do you it for no a, reason. I mean, yeah. were you guys saddened by the death of the guy that we kind of liked when he got shot? I was. Like, that, that was the only one that right? actually affected me. Yeah, it the, kind of affects you, right? The secondhand man that like was the fan of his writing. Yeah. 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 No? Yeah, no kind of. I, I do remember thinking like, oh, why him? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. the only guy yeah. I liked. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. yeah. That's true. He was a so, very sympathetic character. Yeah. Whereas in Burn After Reading, I just hated, Brad I hated, <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't just hate Brad Pitt. I hated, uh, so the character that you grow to love in that movie who gets violently killed at the end, uh-huh. uh, I hated their decision to cut right away to try and make you laugh at that afterwards. Mm. Whereas in this, they don't do that. No. They give you time after that. Yeah. I, it's not tonally stupid, mm. which is what I think Burn After Reading is. Yeah. You know? I just, you know, I, I, I saw similarities. Okay. I spoke those similarities. Okay. Okay. My piece has been said. Okay. His piece was said. You were yeah. you were incorrect, but that's okay. You can be incorrect. Well, <laughs> damn. We you can know. agree to disagree. Wow. Derek's yeah. opinion is valid to Derek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can think your yeah, thoughts. That's okay. You can think yeah. your thought. It's fine. Yeah. Let's get let's get really <laughs> passive aggressive. All right, let's yeah. talk about more no, of my thoughts, totally guys. Cool. I want to get back to my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Joey? Glissando Corner. They still going? That's cute. Glissando Corner. Um, yeah, I love Jesus. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that sometimes happens. It's not an episode unless we hit that button. <laughs> well, let's talk about the, the mix itself because it yeah. was really all over the place. The dynamic range was really crazy. It got really loud, got really quiet. I think it has to do with, again, this is a wild guess, the 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 Criterion Collection. I think mm. when they remaster it, they, they do some expansion, which is the opposite of compression, which mm-hmm. is expanding the dynamic range. And it's really great when it's kind of on bigger speakers and you're in a big room and you can take it. But it seems like in this in these older movies, it's it's over compressed in the beginning because it can't because all the older equipment can't handle loud stuff. Yeah, do you so, know the, anything about the process of transferring that old? I wish I knew shit? more, like, honestly. I swear, but I think I that know. I know everything was old when everything older was super compressed because yeah, it had yeah. to be you know on like optical on the fucking strip like on the exactly. side it's just and, and and when you have this kind of wide dynamic range that we have today it just maybe doesn't work mm. so i think everything is so loud sometimes the music was crazy and then the dialogue was so quiet 
And it really bothered me because I really missed a lot. Now, obviously, my hearing is worse than a lot of people's because I wear headphones all day. But I think that it, I just did have, I missed a lot here because a lot of it was washed out. A lot of it was just too quiet for the mix sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. And there's it a lot of mushy. subtlety in the lines and the performance too. Like there's a lot of these like little throwaway lines that are like kind of whispered with their back turned and like, you know, that's you know, surrounded by all this super loud zither music. <laughs> like, ugh. Now, I will say I, I did warm up. My ears kind of warmed up and yeah, it got yeah. better towards the end. I did kind yeah. of, and maybe that's just me paying more attention and getting more into the movie. That's possible too. Uh, I did want to mention a couple more things about the dialogue. The reverb was pretty fucking cool. All the stuff in the churches, the old woman yelling in the church when you guys were kind of laughing at her as was echoing throughout, did a great job of kind of fading down and using EQ. It really? was really- because I, I you know, it was too much. No, no, no. I, I was actually just noting that I was in awe of the opposite thing. So when they were in the scene of the club, I was just in love with all of the padding on the walls and all of the fucking drapery. Because I, I was just recently in really echoey sound environments. Oh, so like, just the idea of like that, like almost beautifully crafted like sound booth for them to be recording in, just seemed like a fabulous place to to begin. Oh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I appreciate a good recording like that. I'm just saying, I guess more. Yeah, yeah. Um, that live I was surprised show. that they were able to get a controllable, nice reverb that they were able to kind of ramp down when they kind the camera perspective was away. Mm. and ramp up when it was wider and that kind of stuff. Well, that, mm. The microphone can get closer to the subject when no, the they camera did, is No, but close. it wasn't that. It wasn't <laughs> that. They did use fake plate yeah, reverb yeah. there. It sounded like plate reverb yeah. uh, mm. and was pretty, it was fake and good. There's uh, some moments of brilliance in the sound design. What did you uh, notice? Oh, oh, just, you know, just certain moments where like, uh, the, the, there was a moment where Orson Welles' character, uh, Harry, is running away through the sewer and we've got that moment where like he's finally totally surrounded and we see that or we hear that more than we see it because all we're looking at is just different shots of a tunnel here, a tunnel there. Da, 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 da. I, I was yeah. going to say this, but this is absolutely uh, wonderful. You're right. Keep yeah. Going, and we're just going. popping from, from, you know, uh, one group to another group of police officers that are chasing him and it's all yeah. told orally. Uh, and it was just, this I, I was thought it was fantastic. I was really unbelievably by that. ahead of its time. Unbelievably impressionistic. There's a moment like this in Munich. If you guys uh, went check out Munich, uh, where, where uh, there's a scene where the snooze fest. <laughs> but there is a scene where that where basically they plant a bomb in the guy's uh, a telephone, and there's all the suspense is built up kind of through the background sound, and you get this kind of high pitched whine, and that's what we were getting is we were getting this high pitched wind, just like Harry was underneath the sewer grate, and then it went up, and just like you said, it cut away, and then we had the the higher wind of Vienna, you know, the beautiful open wind, and back and forth we got this nice yeah. di you know dichotomy. It was so cool. I really felt that too when we when we finally went up. I could feel that fresh cold air. Oh my god, it was it, and and just and not naturally that high pitch puts you on edge. So you are. Harry in that moment mm -hmm. you are like, trapped like a rat you know and you're mm -hmm. shot and you're about to see freedom but yeah. it's well you know I will say one thing pretty that awful <laughs> no it's just thinking of Sean's funny because like there's that scene where he's been shot and he's crawling up the stairs and we're watching uh, it and, and just as we're watching the scene of him dramatically crawling up the stairs Sean just goes <laughs> just yeah, it really, really encapsulated the the, the wellsiness. Orson Welles yeah. gives maximum effort. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does. Yep. He was Shatnering out there. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. <laughs> One of the things that really bothered me about the sound, and I think looking back, especially because everything else you guys were just talking about was so well done, 
was the fucking can sound they were using for the soldiers' footsteps. Like, it was just that fucking repetitive, like, about no this, matter uh, how they were stomping, no matter where they were going, they mm. were going up the stairs, down the stairs, straight in a line. It was yeah. the same goddamn footstepping can I, sound. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely, but I, I, here's what I wrote. I, 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 <laughs> I was just interesting, because I wrote, Foley of uh, Footsteps of Brits Walking Away <laughs> was overly rhythmic, unrealistic <laughs> when they are walking away. But I also wrote impressionistic. So, mm. here's the thing. Yeah, 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 it's it's that that stuff. yeah you know? exactly. Yeah. It's that flavor of that German fucking war machine. Yeah. yeah. So I was able to forgive <laughs> it if they stumbled into something creative. <laughs> <laughs> they tried, <laughs> uh, you know, because the rhythmic, you know, yeah, beating yeah. of it is w- warlike, totally. and it, you know, it, you can kind of okay, fine, yeah. That's why I accepted it, and that's what the th- was I thought was a small problem here was that we had the realism, and the naturalism of the mm-hmm. sound, and then we also had the impressionism of the sound, and I thought you could go both ways, but they were fine in that. I didn't mind them kind of going wavering, wavering back and forth. This kind of movie can experiment. It's cool. I mean, yeah, but to me, like that was like just the one sound that was so. I mean, canned is like really the only word for it. It's like everything else just felt so natural and like right for what was going on. Yeah. And then there's that, which is just this this fucking big sore in the middle of the sound design. Uh, apart from that, um, <laughs> other sores in the sound design. One oh, line, a well. couple lines of ADR. Oh, yeah. You know, just when he was walking away, his sure. mouth didn't move. You know, yeah. well, who gives a shit? Right? Room tone issues. A few transitional things were a little bit annoying. Who cares? It's an old movie. I don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> that's not what I'm focusing. <laughs> you on. cared a lot when you wrote it down. I know, but like, I feel bad mentioning. I'm like, yeah, it's product of the time. It's tough to take care of some of these transitions. Room tones hard, people. Room tones tough. I get it. Uh, all right, background sounds were wonderful in this Ferris wheel. The Ferris yeah. wheel scene was really fucking cool. Uh, just the way the wind pecked up. It was. The sounds of the metal tinging along was just kind of breaking mm. up the moments of silence. I don't know. I thought that scene was, those scenes were great with that background sound. It really just kind of gave it that life. And I like that not every scene had the the Scyther, Scyther music. I, you know, mm. they chose pretty well when to not do it. I thought, you know, when the, when the Scyther was in there, it was clearly like kind of romantic, passionate, or trying to underdo, underscore something. And when it wasn't there, it was like, this is serious and we have to pay attention and that kind of thing. How do you start pronouncing it wrong an hour into the podcast? It's a good question. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. How is it pronounced? Zither? Sure. Or are we just wrong? Email us. Know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Email us anything. Yeah. Just say hi. Cellular yeah, breakdown yeah. on the Twitters. Shout uh, out to our number one fan, Brian Hayes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we have fans. Wow. Okay, um, I got him to start listening to the pod. Nice. Let's see, there was only one more small stupid critique I want to make. Uh, they could have exaggerated some more of the foley when we were mm. seeing these insert shots of the have, knife yes. cutting into the chicken or the turkey. I couldn't tell which one it was, and also the ball bouncing. I kind of want a little bit louder ball bouncing. Oh, that could have sold me. Right. But then again, that's the play. That's the choice I wanted. You know, you can make between naturalistic and impressionistic yeah. and. Yeah. I don't know. I, More I, impressionistic ball bouncing. You know, I thought the ball was supposedly symbolic. And it really turned out yeah. that, that kid was kind of actually just a jerk. Yeah, he's just a jerk. <laughs> I thought that kid was going to be like a symbol of like innocence. So he kid was, was, kid kind of, was fucking kind of terrible. Snitch. Yeah. Kid's a jerk. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on. So uh, if we had to cast this today, Uh-oh. some uh, of these actors. Okay. Uh, so, do you guys have any uh, modern yeah. actors in mind, Mr. Sean? I, I, I want uh, the Orson Welles character to be played by Seth MacFarlane. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, his face is kind <laughs> the, of the, the same. That He's chubby, got that roundy weird face, and then face. like the uh, the hammy <sighs> acting. And see, I was thinking more of like like Brad Pitt in that because. Oh. Because he's You're gonna just, make him do a fat Thor? Well, he's the it fella of today. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. got much less ago. range than he's billed to have. True. So <laughs> unless he's eating. If you give him a bowl of cereal, he can do it. Is that so? I thought that was Gosling. Yeah, and everything. <laughs> no, no, Gosling is the guy that you feed cereal to. Uh, Brad Pitt is the guy that has to be eating cereal in his He needs something in his hands. Ah. Uh. Gwyneth Paltrow's <laughs> head. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, don't say spoiler. No one knows what I'm talking. About. I'd yeah. say George Clooney as uh, as Holly Martin's. I think uh, Ewan McGregor would be better in that I'd part. Say, yeah, Ewan Tilda McGregor Swinton. kind yeah. of plays slightly naive. Clooney is just a little too charismatic for that. Yeah, charismatic. Got to be, be kind of yeah. naive. Yeah. Like uh, remember sort how of he a was in Ghostwriter, sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to say how he was in Ghostwriter. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of the yeah. same character of uh, Sunset Boulevard, Joe Joe Gillis, mm. kind of that that yeah. writer, that yeah. smart Alec. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to like put in people that I remember having been in Burn After Reading. <laughs> oh, I get you. Okay, okay. It's definitely mm-hmm. got a Coen Brothers feel for sure. I'm, it does, and, and, and yeah. all these, all those actors that would fit in those movies would fit. True. You could fit a John Turturro, I think, absolutely. In oh yeah, he, well uh, he'd be the the uh, one of the. I forget the guy's fucking name, but there's a dude that the the, the, the sheriff dude. guy, not the sheriff. The he's the the one of the other men. Like oh, he was the either, second man. The second man. Mm. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. With the violin. Man yeah. number two. Yes, man yeah. number two. Man the guy two. from the balcony. Yes, the guy from the balcony. Yes. Exactly. John Turturro. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> to Jesus. Yeah. We all know who he is. Yes. <laughs> you don't uh, mess with um, the Jesus. I love Jesus. I love the duh Jesus. <laughs> the Jesus. Yes. Duh Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So um, what about for uh, Alita? Not Alita. Anna. Tilda Swinton. <laughs> a little too old. Mm, uh, Let's see. Pick an Emma. Um, Ooh. how about the girl from Inglorious Bastards? She knows multiple languages. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. oh she's yeah. good too. I was thinking she, of the French girl, but yeah, oh. uh, either, either, either one. Either I'll take her. Either way, they're all good. So yeah, we could do her. Who else would be good? Olivia Francis Wilde? McDormand. You'd love her. Francis McDormand would be amazing in that <laughs> role. Mm. Mm. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think we're casting. We, cast we, we got it. We, yeah. we nailed it. Over Good job, team. <laughs> yep. Okay, that's it. Uh, all right, um, we so did it, Sean. Let's uh, let's go over what this thing looked like. Uh, looked kind of slanty. <laughs> <laughs> it was crooked. Yeah, they discovered that they could. <laughs> it's like, oh, we could do this. <laughs> we could Dutch it. Yeah, this exactly. is sick. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there is some cool moments in there. And like, as we said, the beginning starts with uh, when you're first introduced to those Dutches. It feels intentional and it feels like there's a reason and yeah. it feels like there is going to be some sort of payoff by following that. And then as it progresses, you just kind of realize that he's just doing it for the fuck of it. There are some really good shots, though. One of them is the double shot with a cut transition between a plant on the windowsill. Where oh, we're like, yeah. Where it's it pushed okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like Not a fan. It was too, too much. It was, yeah, it, it was in keeping with the spirit of the cinematography of the film. In oh, that, it just felt like innovative for the time. Like if I saw that today. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I I'll think, agree with that. I, it just, it seemed, you know, it, it was just, you know, kind of the, the 
cinematography swinging its dick around. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It definitely but I was totally yeah. surprised yeah. by it. Yes. And that was, it was nice, a nice surprise. Yeah, I, th- I don't think it's a that. reference to Citizen Kane, right? Because in Citizen Kane, it punches through the, oh, through, the, the gate through his they, name gate and yeah. it like splits. So I think since you got oh, Orson Welles yeah, there, the Wells reference, that, yeah. uh, reference, uh, reference him. Give a little visual shout out to the... Yeah, I mean, other than that, there's some, you know, good play with shadows. Um, obviously, this being being a film noir, lighting is a, a huge thing. Um, the thing that stood out to me most, as always, is just the fucking women. Like, lighting women different than men is just weird to me still. I don't know how many of these movies we're going to have to watch before that doesn't feel weird anymore. But, like, mm-hmm. when we we'll go probably to, just have to uh, move yeah, on we'll before to, you're yeah. not going <laughs> to find that being once weird. Once we move into the 60s and 70s, <laughs> exactly. you'll be a happier guy. Once, once there's equality of lighting. Um, the Yeah, just the idea that, like, those the, the female shots are just so glamorous and so soft and so, like, you know, no shadow whatsoever. And then we go to the shots of the guys and both overs are, like, half black and half white and, like, you can't see, like, half of their face and, like, you yeah. know, just very, like, typical noir, like, super stark contrast and this, stuff. It feels like a noir film that was made by somebody that doesn't think noir films are very good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're going to take elements of noir, but I I really just yeah. like lighting people really flat and like making sure we see all their face. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, in the the things about this film that were very, you know, the things about the cinematography that were very uh stereotypically noir mm. were done in such a way where it's just like, oh, hey, look, there's exactly. a noir shot. Here exactly. we go. Check it you off know, the list. Ex- like, well, yeah, almost as if like, you know, like <laughs> someone laughing at noir films mm-hmm. by making a noir film. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got that, that sort of impression. Who is this uh, cinematographer? Henry. Ilya how, Kazan. How, how, do I, how do I pronounce his name? Jeez. Dekai. Dekai. Uh-huh. Who? It's pronounced Dekai. No, it's like George. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I'm you got such the wrong an idiot. Person. It's Robert Krasker. Robert Krasker. Robert Krasker. He won a, uh, he won an Oscar that. for this. Spoiler alert. Australian cinematography. <laughs> you know? I don't think we ever do cinematography, no. do we? No one cares about yeah. cinematographers. I no. do. Uh-uh. Should take not that enough to put in your Academy fucking game. Awards. No, not enough to put in my game. I did like one time because I think I, cl- I you know, said the wrong thing again. Oh, I definitely think the cinematography award should be on the technical night. That is not something that middle America gives a fuck about. Oh, I was just being I was just being an asshole. I know I, you were, but I was agreeing with your assholiness in a uh, I a very earnest manner. Okay. Well, I disagree with what I said. <laughs> I mean, okay. now now that a director has won it, they should just flush it down the toilet. Yeah. Like now that la- this year a guy who's a director won it. Who, so who was won that? it? Mr. Caron. What was yeah. that? For? What one? Quaron. Quaron. Oh, Alonso. Alonso. Alfonso, Alfonso, Alfonso uh, Alonso Caron. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's his name. That's his name. <laughs> Shows you how much respect Cuaron. I got for him. Totally. Not much. None. Yet. Damn. Uh, we're going to have Sandra Bullock bark in space. <laughs> oh, it's a It's going to be a ghost scene, guys. Yeah, space ghost scene coming space up. Space ghost. Space ghost. ghost. I was a big fan of Brock. God, I wish it was a space ghost scene. That would make it good. <laughs> what else is well, anyway, I think it's about that time. Don't you guys think it's about that time? About that time. It's about that time. Okay. Okay. We're done. 
Yeah, that's enough. It's called <laughs> Guess the Oscar Picks. For now. Okay. Anywho, we Good already job, did Derek. this year. So unfortunately, the 23rd Academy Awards was already taken because we did it when oh. we watched Sunset Boulevard so and we're not Harvey. Do this. But we can do the year after. Mm, I have that okay. prepared. Do you want to do that? We're what not year doing is that? this one. Let's this not is going to be... One. Okay, we can skip it. Wow. <laughs> And no, that we can do it. It's going to be the biggest no. tease, and the audience will hate me, but that's fine. Go for it. Go for okay. it. No, no, no. Go do it. it. Do, it. Do, it. do it. Do it. We want you to do it. We want you to do it. Just shut up and do it. We want you to do it. We want you to do it. I did Children of Men. Do it. Do it. Okay. Best actor. Reading about Alfonso Cuaron. Anyway, let's go. What are our choices? The choices for best actor are. Frederick March, Death of a Salesman, Arthur Kennedy for Bright Victory, Montgomery Cliff, A Place in the Sun, Marlon Brando for A Streetcar Named Desire, or Humphrey Bogart for The African Queen. Brando. Marlon Brando. Brando. The answer is Humphrey Bogart. Damn it. Oh, damn. The African Queen. Ooh. We should have just guessed Isn't that. that movie like super racist? Probably. I'm sure. Every movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a movie about Africa mm-hmm. starring white people, yeah. so. Okay. Put it on the list. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Best Actress, Catherine Hepburn, The African Queen, Vivian Lee, A Streetcar Named Desire, Eleanor Parker for Detective Story, Shelley Winters for A Place in the Sun, or Jane Wyman, Wyman for The Blue Veil. I'm going to go with Katie. Wyman. Mm, I'll go Katie, too. The answer is Vivian Lee, A Streetcar Named Desire. should have known it. Or Blanche Dubois. Uh, Blanche Dubois. Nope. Best director. Anytime you play insane, you get to. Uh, Blanche Devereaux. We have Elia Kazan for A Streetcar Named Desire, William <laughs> Wyler, Detective Story, Vicente Minelli for American in Paris, John Houston, The African Queen, or George Stevens for A Place in the Sun. I'm going with Houston. I'm going with Houston. I'm going to go William Wyler. The answer is George Stevens for A Place in the Sun. I don't know that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Best motion picture. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah. We probably should see some George Stevens. He seems famous. (laughs) You you get one one a month. Yeah. That's (laughs) true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Best motion picture. Here we have five now. We're back to five. I don't know Mm -hmm. why. We always go back and forth. I hate it. Anywho. They do uh, what they want. Yep. They do what they want. The Academy. Quo Vadis, A Streetcar Named Desire, A Place in the Sun. Decision Before Dawn, American, and American in Paris. American in Paris. Streetcar. Streetcar. Sean is correct. We have an American in Paris. Am I the only one to win one? Yes. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I win by default. Good job, Sean. Yeah, one point. Is that it? That's it. We did it, guys. It's called Guess the Oscar Picks. For now. <laughs> I'm never going to get tired of that. <laughs> Neither will we. No, uh, no, it's, it's, yeah, they don't hear your eyes rolling over there during that whole scene. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Okay. Um, are there any other miscellaneous errata things you would like to go over, gentlemen, errata. before we move on? Okay. What was up with the dude selling the balloons? Oh, yeah, I thought that was going to be a more of a thing, but like many of the decisions made in this movie, it just seemed Where like it was a- Where did the balloon go? Oh, that'll be cool. Where oh, the- that'll be cool. Is Where that did- just a red herring? Like, is that the thing? Like, Yeah, maybe, but like 
for he wasn't in on it. He wasn't causing a distraction. He for was, him, was he? no other part of the movie. Yeah, well, coincidental. Yeah, he was just there. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he weird. uh. So so Is what happened to the balloon off? that he bought? Chekhov's balloon. Oh, that's that's <laughs> fascinating. What, what, yeah, uh, what happened to the balloon he bought? Because he I, bought a balloon. He I gave just, it to the kid that's dad died. In my head, he just let it go as soon as he got it. Yeah, exactly. That's like, honestly, that I, yeah. I really, I filled that in my head of just like, he's going to let it go. So I think we need back. like a Rosencrantz and Gildenstern movie yeah, from the perspective the of the balloon. Um, yeah, I like yeah. that. I, I I wanted him to like dead eye stare the guy and just let go right in front of his face. That'd be dope. <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh Oh, I had one more thing I want to say about the music because I know you're mm-hmm. going to hate me for keep talking about this. But I thought the music did one thing great I should have mentioned and another, you know, great musical Italian term that you guys are all going to hate me for saying. Vibrato. Let's talk about a little bit vibrato. Mm. Vibrato. Uh, yeah, very, not bad, Sean. It's it's the, mm. the warbling, the wavering yeah. of pitch. And yes. the ability to do that really well on this instrument worked really well because this naturally warbling pitch, I think, gives it this comedic kind of feel. I think you, yeah. you alluded to yeah. it, old Timmer. Yeah, it, well, it really just kind of you know, takes the wind out of the sails of the noir. Yeah. On purpose. On purpose. And yeah. maybe that wasn't great all the time, but you it know. was, you know, any, anything that you really like it in cinema. Cause like a film is so long that if you, if you, if you more something to, I'm trying to come up with a sailing euphemism and I'm just mm. not doing it. If you, if you stick you got to so- post the mast. And here we go with Sean Fa taking the win out of my sales. Oh, it was a special troll. At least twice. (laughs) A nautical troll episode. Uh, Yeah, no, but if if you if you hitch your (laughs) if you hitch if you if if you if you commit too much to any one thing, it's going to detract from your story. Mm. Um, And you know, it was this. With the zither, it was this with the with the, the Dutch shit. angles. Yeah, it just makes it into a gimmick. And at you know, at some point in the movie, it's just gonna start taking people out of it. Yep. Um I, I, I agree to an extent for sure. Yeah. Um I did want to mention one more thing that with with the gimmicky effect. Uh they only did one more thing. They did tremolo, which I kind of mentioned another one of those words. What's tremolo? Or tremolo. That's that HBO show tremolo. with John Goodman. More about and it is similar because it is warbling, but it's the more warbling of volume and they only did it once. They kind of only did it when we actually had Harry's theme and the cat was walking down towards Harry's shoes mm. and he warbled the sound of the scyther. So it really did give it this extra character of dynamics and gave you this like oh my god listen 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 which was you know overly calling it gimmicky mm. but and this is this is known as tremolo correct ah tremolo tremolo i'll Tre- take it all tremolo 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 down in the treme either way it Definitely sounds like fun. some sort of a product that was marketed in the 50s sounds like a good candy bar it does. It sounds like I'm, I'm thinking like an Ovaltine-esque mm. sort of a Brought to you by Tremolo. But I think it's like so Tremolo has three. It has like, it's yeah. got caramel, nougat, yeah. and <laughs> peanut butter. Yeah. I pretty, made a great candy bar good. right there. That sounds pretty that, good. That actually man. doesn't sound that good. What? No. Peanut butter and nougat? I know. It's like a nut free. Peanut butter and nougat. What is nougat? I think it's like a toffee-ish. Sort is it toffee? Yeah. I always thought. Uh, he's, he's the guy that does cat scratch fever. Mm. <laughs> we'll cut that. We'll cut that. Yeah, yeah, the guy that, that did out. cat scratch fever and a bunch of kids, Ted Nougat. Oh. <laughs> he's not a pedo. Yeah, okay. Oh. Really? 
Let's alleged alleged prank caller. Alleged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tune into yeah. the TBC yeah. where we focus on that. <laughs> Do we have filter for that? Yeah, we, we yeah, filter. I got a I got a sensor. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, I found out there was a button shortly before we hit record. Uh, Derek, you were similar. I thought you were alluding to saying something earlier. Am I wrong? You Perhaps, had something to say? Maybe. Um, okay. I, I was going to say that uh, if anybody's in Japan, they can check out the Abisu stop on the on the metro, that it plays the third man theme song <laughs> wow. in, the, in, the, in their, their metro version. Is there a reason for that? Uh, because Abisu, uh, their, all their beer commercials uh, apparently have the third man theme as the, as the theme of the beer. So strange flex, but okay. Yeah, it's it's weird, but but it's played in like this happy Muzak way. Like, yes. Okay. Yes. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and it's actually on YouTube. If one, mm. people want to check that out, it's all right. interesting. Mm. On the YouTubes. Good, on the good YouTube. little tidbit. Yeah, that was a good bit tidbit. of uh, rata. Nice, yeah, nice yeah, bit. A nice bit uh, for the uh, tidbit. Actually, yeah, that was yeah. probably one of the better pieces of errata. Yeah, 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 pretty much what that on. feature was meant yeah. for. Yeah. Good, yeah. Job, good job, Derek. Derek. Yeah. Well, Thanks, 20 guys. episodes in, we finally nailed it. Errata tag. Twenty No. Feels like it. How's it going, Joey? It's great. I'm not going to comment on that anymore. So let's just move right into our final impressions and rate this movie, gentlemen. And I'm going to go right to you, Sean Fogg. Let's hear your final impressions. I am going to give this a three out of five stars. I didn't have to read anything, so we don't have to take any point deductions. There was a lot of different languages that annoyed me not knowing what was going on, but I enjoyed the fact that I didn't have to read it. So there's kind of a, a balancing of the scales on that one. Um, but in general, like I said, I really love this movie. I thought I was going to love it all the way through. And then fucking Orson Welles shows his ugly face into the light and, uh, things just kind of go downhill from there. Um, it's not necessarily his fault. It's just like the fun just kind of gets sucked out of the writing at that point. And like, that's been like kind of like the problem that comedy movies in general often have is just that second act problem like everything is all fun in the setup but then like when the problems have to happen they forget to keep writing comedy and um yeah that's just kind of where i'm at Sorry. <laughs> Derek. I chose to wait till Joey was uh, um, yawning in order to throw see, some so I, i'm gonna go let's see eight out of 12 mm. okay yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's you know it's an enjoyable film uh i i enjoy it it's still like i think the theme Gets me a lot. Mm. Uh, you know, you fondly remember it afterwards. And Why did you pick it? Um, because it's, uh, you know, I, I, I know, it. well, I know also that this is kind of one of those films where uh, because of the cinematography with the Dutch angles, it's not everybody's jam, but it is also one of those things that everybody in cinematography is going to have to watch at some point. Um, because, uh, it is somewhat, I mean, before this, I think that there's one really like the earliest recorded, uh, Dutch angle that I'm aware of is from man with a movie camera. Uh, this established it sort of as a style. Uh, it's still never really caught on after this maybe because of course it's a little too showy, um, for most films and maybe even for this one. Um, Yeah. 
But I mean, he doesn't do <laughs> yeah. it through the whole movie. Totally. Um, I think 12 Monkeys does it too. Actually. Yeah. Oh, that's Gilly. That's Gilly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just saying yeah. that because you Jesus. mentioned 12 Monkeys yeah. earlier. Fucking Christ. Joey. I'm sorry. No, you're Gilly. It's I'm usually God. to show I kind of madness or yeah. things such as that, um, you know. Yeah, uh, horror movies use it a lot still. And like, right, it's right. a very genre shot. Like it's you, yeah, you wouldn't really see it in just normal fucking coverage. Yeah, and I'm sure any kid who sees it Jesus. in this movie would immediately go out and just make a movie God. that's all like. I feel like this is just an excuse for every student to fucking never level a goddamn tripod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, I'll, I'm going to rate this 7.5 out of 10. Hmm. Uh, I actually pretty much enjoyed this movie. I thought it was pretty good. The momentum was good. The pacing was good. I'm going to dock it a whole point just for the sound. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the music sometimes was too loud the music, and the dialogue was very low. So I had trouble following every word. Mm. That's partially my fault. You know, I was trying to take notes into at the same time. I always forget some stuff, but I think that it did move along and it was interesting. I liked the characters. Um, I thought um, at the end, Harry Lyme was a little weird. Uh, Oscar um, Orson Welles was a little bit over Wales. over the top, um, but it's a good story. It's it's fun, and it it kind of it it ha keeps you on your toes. It's a spy kind of thriller, crime, um, you know, and, and it keeps the audience in the dark for a lot of it, which is a cool kind of thing in a movie and in general. Um, so I I thought it was a good ride, an enjoyable one, and you should watch this even. And not just for the cinematography, the the music's really a fascinating use of one instrument, the way to use less is more in many ways, you know, especially if you don't have lots of money, hire one street musician, you could do your entire score. Uh, but it, it's a great, it's a great movie to see and it's interesting. So yeah, seven and a half. Hmm. Mr. Ole Timmer. All right. So I'm going to give this movie uh, one out of three men with the ghost of a second man. Um <laughs> Uh, I thought that, you know, I personally, subjectively, I just didn't see much in this movie that I thought was brilliant. I thought that there was things about it that are, I think this movie is a necessary experiment. Um, and I think that it, it laid the groundwork for a lot of other filmmakers to do things better than they would have if this film had not been made. Um, but I don't, Think, you know, so I think I think that Joey, you said that this is a necessary watch for for people. I think this is a necessary watch for people that want to make films. Um, one of the reasons that I didn't like this film so much, uh, and this is again totally subjective, I like a movie that does some effort to to make a statement on anything, you know. Mm. Uh, takes a stance somewhere. Sure. Yeah, take, hmm. yeah, just has something, you know, something has some to spine to <laughs> yeah. it. And this film was just, you know, just like, look at this cool thing we can do, you know. It just, it, there, there wasn't a whole lot of substance to it, and the, and the plot didn't do much for me. You know? I will disagree with just the fact that I think that ending shot redeems a lot. Oh no, 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 absolutely. So I, I'll mm. agree with you there. I yeah. thought the ending shot was. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. I thought there were two shots in this film that were just absolutely beautiful. And they're both the one point perspective of the of the character. So it was it was when Holly Martins was walking back from killing his friend. Mm. And it was when um Anna was walking yeah. uh towards Directly the to camera. camera. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that was such a beautiful shot and yeah. so well done in its long breath um of it. Uh but the the movie as a whole, though, it was pulp. 
yeah, to me. It was pulp. And it, you know, it, it was, it was people that were amazing at what they can do, you know, people with a lot of faculties to, to, to make art just kind of hitting an inside, you know, it was an inside hit. But yeah, I, I think that does go to Derek's earlier point of it, this not being an auteur movie. So there is not like one driving force behind this that is like having something to yeah, say it just with seemed, this. It seemed unfocused yeah, to me. So a lot of people doing a lot of cool shit, but like in the end. Why? Um, yeah. Actually, I think we, I don't know if maybe I'm wrong. We didn't really dive into the ending a lot, that final meaning of that mm. final shot. Mm. Um, so she's walking back and pass, walks right past mm-hmm. Martin's. Um, why do you think they did that? I mean, what, what is that saying? She doesn't need him. Like the, like she never said, did. No. Yeah, he was, I, I he know, was summary. Kinda, she, like, was she was never, she, he, he never held any allure to her. Yeah. And it, you know, the, the, the movie really just, you know, kind of keeps that. And it's something that Graham Greene's novella that he wrote before he wrote the screenplay actually differed from. Hmm. Uh, Graham Greene's uh, novella suggested in the end that they did get together and that they walked away together. Hmm. Um, Way worse. What? Way worse. Obviously, yeah. yeah, You know, and uh, good change. Yeah, yeah. and good change. It was excellent cinematography. You know, Uh, Scorsese ripped it off for The Departed. Hmm. Is you know every like. That's something that I really enjoy about doing it's these homage. podcasts uh, is seeing something in an old film and being like, fuck, that's where this dude got yeah, this yeah, from. You sure. know, there's yeah, so much about contemporary cinema that is just absolutely lifted from some l- of these. L- let me ask you, how does that, how does that make you feel? Um, knowing that this stuff is lifted and seeing that perspective, what is your opinion on that? Uh, you know, kind of, it, it kind of like... I suppose it's like meeting your heroes a little bit because it's like, oh, well, I mean, so, so they're not that great then, you know? Yeah. Mm. So it kind of humanizes a lot of these modern mm-hmm. directors to where it's, it's like, oh, okay. So they're not as brilliant mm. as, as we think they are. They're just, they're, they're students of brilliance. Yeah. Also it, like the original, like, like who, when they thought to do this, they, when they thought to do this, that scene in this, uh-huh. It is like not based upon, oh, somebody did it like that before. I want to do it just like that. So there's not that layer of it. Quite honestly, yeah. so I'm not even sure of that though. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, we, mean? like, you know, I would have said the same thing about The Departed until now, but like there is this history of just ripping things off. And I don't know that like this is the first time that was done. I, you know, there's, so it's many possible. movies that have been lost to history that we will never even know existed that we have no idea what actually well, influenced also, this what visual style. Were those movies imitated? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Art imitates, art imitates, art yeah, imitates. I think, art. I think yep. that's the key is, is standing on the shoulders of giants. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah, I think, and, and that's, and I think I saw this a lot too, you guys are mentioning, but I saw a lot with the John Williams and the Korngold stuff. When you hear Korngold, you're like, oh, wow, John Williams didn't, didn't copy him, but he was definitely inspired by him. And yeah. you can see the inspiration and the influence. Mm-hmm. And you're, it makes you humanize him. You're like, oh, wow, John Williams didn't come up with all this shit, but he was really good at learning from all these other people. And the same thing with all these other directors. So I I think it it does do two things. It definitely kind of makes them, it puts them down a peg and puts them, instead of on this pedestal of legendary, humanizes them. But in also a way that's good, that shows you that hard work can kind of pay off and and, and you can do it. Well, and it it also kind of like, it illuminates what's so 
seemingly dark of a path in, in that like y- you have no idea how to do it. Yeah. It's like, okay, so Everyone here's all the like filmmakers that I actually wheel. know. And then here's everybody that's making stuff that's, that's quote unquote great. Yeah. You know? And it's like, oh, so there's, yeah, that's the pathway to doing that. It's just paying attention and, and learning. Yeah. To me, this, this sort of thought process has always been nothing but uplifting when I see this stuff, it makes me it almost inspired and in realizing yeah. that like, like, Oh, I can hey, do that too. Exactly. Yeah. It's not just that I'm some, you know, I'm some random douchebag. I could never do that. Oh, wait a minute. That dude's some random douchebag. And mm-hmm. he just ripped off that random douchebag. Yeah. And like, you know, you put the shit in the right order. Someone might like that shit. So, you know, to me, it's just, it was like when I first came upon, you know, these sort of connection yeah. realizations in film school, it was very, very freeing in that like, Oh, I don't have to reinvent everything. Yeah. Not everything has to be original. And you start to as... understand the recipe a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we effectively broke it down. We 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 <laughs> broke, broken, down, broke down the, the celluloid. The celluloid, was, celluloid, celluloid has been broke broken down. down. Broken down. Yeah. Um, into its molecules, its small uh, subatomic and I particles. Suppose at this point, all we can really do is play Magic: The Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> here, here, gentlemen. I love right. that Derek just seems very disappointed by the fact that I copped this. <laughs> so, yeah, Sean, uh, what can we expect uh, for the other podcasts on this yeah. network? Uh, yeah, can we, can we announce what uh, is, is next week set in stone? Or Oh, shit, is it? No, it's not my turn. No, 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 no. Is it oh. set in stone next week? Um, I don't know Guess what you're wise. talking about. Guest-wise. Oh. Guest-wise. We may have a guest. Next we day. may have a guest oh. next week. Oh no! Which would be very I, interesting. Might be separate, but we'll see. Might um, be separate. So yeah. it's either me next week, yeah. or it's a guest next week. Right. If it's me, I already know what we're gonna do. So you listeners out there, you know, Ms. McDormand, uh, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, we're gonna be watching was, I, Fargo. Yeah. So Brian, no, we're not gonna watch that. Uh, we're gonna watch. Uh, we're gonna watch Ballad of a Soldier. Hmm. Um. Is this a, uh, uh, a singing movie? No, it's a it's a Grigory Chukre film mm-hmm. uh, from the oh when was this one made? I believe it was 50s, made fifty nine. Oh, yeah. like was that? it fifty nine? Yeah, like uh, either 50s-ish. way, it's a it's a film uh, featuring uh, or it, it's a film that focuses on a soldier in World War Two who's coming home on a four day furlough to meet to be able Don't to spoil see too much, man. Jeez. Mother. <laughs> I've not seen it. None of us have seen it. Derek no, hasn't even seen it. Whoa, Derek hasn't either. even seen no, it. This seen is it. What's it called one more time? Uh, Ballad of a Soldier. Is Ballad this going to be the first one you haven't seen, Derek? Uh, I, yeah, I think so. Wow. I think so. Good yeah. pull. You finally found one. Hey, you know what? I'm good at, um, good at, um, good at, uh, you got it stuff. Get good at pulling. Yep. Podcasting. While okay, you're waiting air. for that episode, be sure to check out all the lovely shows on the Fallcast Network. We've got Text Before Calling, Literally Literary, Power Tinkering, Going Down on South Park, and Wild Wild Westworld. And then, of course, this lovely show that you are currently already listening to, Celluloid Breakdown. Yeah, please rate and review us. Also. Subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Subscribe, rate, view, email, come to my house. And also, Jesus tune in to the British History Podcast by Jamie Jeffers. It's <sighs> yeah. very good. It's good. Yep. Yep. Always, well, always listen to it before I go to bed. Five, six-year-old episodes are It's good, the right? Chernobyl of podcasts. Jesus. 
Even well, though there's a Chernobyl podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I since, haven't listened uh, to that, though. Since Tim yeah. is throwing out his obligatory recommendation, I'll do a rec this week as yeah. well. Uh, I am going to throw out uh, Booksmart. Um, everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, Timmer was on board with that one. Absolutely. I thought that movie was fan-fucking-tastic. I really, really enjoyed it. There's some excellent sequences. Mm. You know, you can definitely tell at times that it's a, that it's the work of a first-time director. Mm. Um, there, you know, there are just some choices in there that are, that are things that if, if you've gone to film school and you've made film school mistakes yeah, yeah. in your film school films, <laughs> you'll see that, you'll see Echoes of that in in Olivia Wilde's uh, directorial debut here. I, I think in discussing those moments were nowhere near as bothersome to me as they seem to be to you. I didn't know they were they them. weren't bothersome yeah. to me. It's just that it you know it's like oh you know yeah it, it's a grow it's watching a growing pain yeah yeah totally you know? I I just the rest of it was just so overpowering of any of that though I yeah. thought it was definitely forgivable yeah I really happened. really loved the movie I thought it was a great soundtrack I thought that uh, there were some really really next level sequences mm -hmm. you know I'm looking forward to seeing what she does next yeah exactly yep. um any, also yeah. great performance by uh by uh Jonette Hill yeah <laughs> Jonette Hill. It's Jonah Hill's sis, younger sister. I uh, can't remember yeah. her name. Okay. She's got yeah. like a totally different name. But do you gentlemen have any uh, reps? Feldstein. Beanie mm -hmm. Feldstein. Uh, yes. Uh, humanity is a duty. Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Humanity. Yep. humanity. That guy said, said duty a lot. Duty, duty, duty. <laughs> duty. Hey, duty. humanity is a duty over here. Duty. All right. That's all. Yeah, everything was way too fucking transatlantic in this film. Mm. Mm. Ah. Yeah, uh, we don't enjoy that. Yeah, like he had like random. Uh, 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 Joseph Cotton had like random long A's, and it's like I know that's not your fucking accent. <laughs> yeah. It just sounded jarring. Mm. Yeah. Um, either way, yeah. Oh, I thought it actually. I know this is not a good ending, but I thought at yes, one cool. moment he did change the pronunciation of one word to kind of sound more European. He did. He mm. did. You know, maybe he was I mean, after that moment. He was just like, "I'm going to do it to get translated." Shut up! The podcast is ending. Yeah. 